Good morning, church family. I'm so glad that you're here this morning. This is Memorial Day weekend, and we are celebrating and honoring those who have gone before us. And we really appreciate you coming out uh, this morning and being with us. And if you're a guest with us, we are so glad that you are with us. Those watching by live stream, we're so glad that you are tuning in. And uh, it's our kickoff for summer. So we got lays on, and we've got hot dogs waiting for you outside after service and popsicles. And and we are just going to have a great time, the picnic is coming up. We're going to just celebrate and enjoy summer. But at the same time, we are learning about relationships. And uh, we, our series is called Relationship Goals, and we are learning how to get along. Because if you don't learn how to get along, you don't go along. And uh, let's look at our key verse that we started last week. I mean, we should know it by now. It's such a simple verse. And uh, it says in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 14, what does it say, church? Do everything in love. Let's try that together. One, two, three. Do everything in love. Wow. What an incredible, incredible high standard that everything that you and I are supposed to be doing, especially relating in relationships, is that we should do everything in love. And uh, that is a challenge in itself. And, you know, like we said last week, there are principle, biblical principles that God has laid down for us on how we live our lives and how we relate to one another. Relationship is either the greatest reward or the greatest challenge. Relationship can either lift us or it can lean on us. Relationships can either help us or it can hurt us. Some of the greatest hurt that you've experienced as an individual is because of relationship. Some of the greatest joys that you've experienced as an individual is because of relationship. So we know that it is crucial we talk about it. A lot of people think that we naturally know how to relate, but honestly, we just don't. So today, I'm going to give you one key. How many of you can handle one key? It's Memorial Day weekend. I know you want to get out and barbecue and do your thing. and So I'm going to let you get out real early today. But we're going to talk about one principle. If you can handle this one principle, and really it is what the heart of healthy relationships is all about. At the heart of healthy relationships, there is one thing. And I want you to fill this out in your notes. Here it is. Consideration must be the heart of healthy relationships. Consideration must be the heart of healthy relationships. Now, the moment I say uh, consideration, everything, oh, well, you know, I'm kind of a considerate person. But honestly, we have to learn. Too many people allow what happens in our relationship something that is precious to become something that is familiar. Uh, we allow something that is, that, that is really good right, to become familiar. And when it becomes familiar, you know the old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. And it's kind of like we lose that awe of it. It's, remember that first time when you brought that baby home? For those of you uh, who are parents here, and you brought that baby home when you looked at that baby, and, I mean, you just like in awe. You're like, oh, I mean, she's so beautiful. He's so good looking. I mean, this is so wonderful. And, and then that baby becomes a teenager and suddenly you want to kill him. Uh, no, no, not really. Uh, but you know, all of that, all of that awe that that baby produced are suddenly gone. We do this in marriages. In marriages, we do the same. And I mean, we are so excited uh, when we get married and the first year or two, we are excited about it. But as time goes on, we lose that respect. We lose that awe. The fact that we are building a lifelong relationship with somebody. Now, I want you to go in your Bibles with me. And I'm going to look at, uh, again, from the Message Bible. But I want to look at 1 Corinthians uh, in verse 10, uh, chapter 1, verse 10. Listen to how the Message Bible puts this. Man, this is great stuff. 
I have a serious concern to bring up with you, my friends. Using the authority of Jesus, our master. So Paul's writing to the church at Corinth and saying, listen, guys, this is something that is really it's, it's concerning to me. Uh, I, I need to bring this up. And I'm talking to you not, not just you know, saying from Paul's perspective. I'm talking to you with the authority of Jesus. And notice what it says. Our master, I'll put it as urgently as I can. Now listen to this. You must get along with each other. You must learn to be considerate of one another, cultivating a life in common. Wow. You must get along with each other. You must learn to be considerate of one another, cultivating a life in common. Consideration means, what does it mean? It simply means not thinking only of yourself. You start thinking of we instead of me. It means paying attention what others are saying. It means showing what we call common courtesy. It means respecting and treating people with respect and with care. That's what consideration, the heart of consideration is all about. Uh, and, and you know, husbands, we, we really need to work on this. For those of you who are married in this area of consideration, uh, but I mean, all of us need to work on it. But one of the primary purposes of relationship uh, that God has designed for us is so that we can learn to be considerate. Notice it says you must learn to be considerate. I mean, make a big circle around that in your notes. You know why you must learn to be considerate? Because you are not by nature a considerate person and neither am I. By nature, what are we? We are selfish. I think about my needs, my hurts, my wants. I'm not thinking about you. I'm thinking about me. And what the whole purpose of relationship is, to, is teaching us to think we, not me. To teach us to be considerate. Why? Because Jesus is the most considerate person of all. And we are supposed to be followers of Jesus. God's purpose in your relationship. Now hear me this. God's purpose in your relationship is not to make you happy. Uh, there's a lot of people, well, you know, you know, you complete me. How many of you know, man, you complete me. And, uh, but we complete in the beginning and then we compete in the end and then we fight and then things blow up. Uh, but there's no such thing as no other person has the power to complete you except Jesus. Jesus has the power to complete you. you know? Well, you know, I, I just love him so much and I, I need him or, or I love her so much and I need her. And, and you know what? I, I, I can no longer have fellowship with you because, you know, you don't make me happy. God has never put you in a relationship just to make you happy. That's a benefit of a relationship, but it's not the purpose of the relationship. The purpose of a relationship is what? Is to make you what? Holy, not happy. Because when you get in a relationship, here's what happens. You don't get your way all the time. So you have to learn to consider others. You have to learn to be considerate. So relationships are the school of consideration. Learning to be unselfish. You learn it in relationship more than any other place on the planet. And one of the primary goals of life that God has for us is that He is teaching us to go from a selfish, self-righteous heart to go to a selfless, righteous heart. And all the time, you are moving from either a selfish heart to an unselfish heart. You're moving from a selfish heart 
to a selfless heart. Why? Because that's, that's what maturity in relations, but also in Christian maturity is all about. We are learning that it is not about me. Now, we live in a world that says it's all about you. It's all about what you want. It's all about your desire. It's all about how you need to get it and how much of it you need to get, you know, and squeeze all of it out of life for you. But that's not the way that God has designed it. So relationships are the school of consideration, learning to be unselfish. God says, I want you to learn to be considerate. And one of that goals is that primary school that God uses is in relationship. The problem is, the longer you stay together, the more inconsiderate we become, we tend to become. Uh, we, we're very considerate. And, and for those of you who are dating and, and you know, uh, uh, and, and maybe relating in the beginning of dating, you know how it works. We, we are all just, you know, oh, what do you want? What do you want? And, and you know what? Oh, you know what? I mean, we, we walk through the doors. No, honey, after you. We open doors. No, after you. And, and we, we're very considerate. And we are very polite. No, 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 no. You first. Hey, what do you want to eat? Uh, you know what? Whatever you want. I, I don't mind. And there's this, you know, this just this give and you know even though you hate a certain kind of food if somebody suggested well you know let's go eat you know let's go go eat Thai food and, and maybe Thai food doesn't work for you I love Thai food by the way but maybe it doesn't work for you and you're like, okay we'll eat it you know and, and whatever it's because you you consider it because you are not thinking of what you're getting you're thinking of what you can contribute you are being considerate of others and we work through that process all the time. We are very polite. And then later on, we, you know, we change. Uh, it's kind of the five stages of a marriage cold. And you, uh, you've heard me say this before. In the first year of marriage, we go, uh, baby, darling, uh, you know, I'm worried about that sniffle you have. And, and, and so here's what I've done. I've, I've called the paramedics to rush you to Loma Linda Hospital for a checkup and at least a week of rest. And I, I know, you, you know nobody likes hospital food. So what I've done is I've paid for a gourmet chef to come in and make gourmet meals for you while you're in the hospital. By the second year, it's, sweetheart, you know, I don't like the sound of that cough. Uh, and I've arranged for the doctor to come home to our house and make a, a house call. Let me tuck you in bed and make sure you get the rest you need. By year three, it's deteriorated to, you know, you look like you got a fever. So why don't you drive yourself over to Walgreens and you get some medicine and I'll watch the kids for you. By the fourth year, you say, now listen, woman, look, be sensible. After you fed and bathed the kids and washed the dishes, you really ought to get to bed. By the fifth year, it's this, for Pete's sake, woman, do you have to bark so loud? I can't even watch my show. Please, if you're going to be coughing like this, go to the other room. You sound like a barking dog. Uh-huh. You know, we laugh at that, but the fact of the matter is, is that it's kind of the deterioration. It's kind of what I said earlier. We are very considerate in the beginning, and then we kind of go in reverse. We say, well, they should know me. It's my family members. They should understand me. But really, we should learn that as we mature in Jesus, as we mature in Christ, consideration ought to be growing. And uh, so, so the question then is, how do we demonstrate that? How do we show consideration? Let me give you a few thoughts and write them in as, you, as we work through this. Here's the first one. How do you show consideration? Number one, by being helpful. Is this practical? By being helpful. Offering practical help. Consideration is seeing what the other person needs in advance and not having to wait for them to ask for your help. Can I help you? 
That's the question. You know, so what does it mean? It means you take the initiative. You know what? You know, my wife always nagging me and nagging me to do this and nagging me to do that and nagging me to do this. Well, the reason she's nagging you, sucker, is because you never show the initiative to help her. She's tired too. And in a lot of homes, we have both husbands and wives that are working. And so now we expect the wives to take, to take care of everything. And I know not in this service. I know you guys are very holy and very spiritual. But there are places that it happens. And, and, and so I, I, I want to encourage you. you got to take the initiative. If you're considerate, you initiate. Say this with me. Say, if I'm considerate. Now, say like a minute. If I'm considerate, then I need to initiate. So there's an initiation. Now, look at Ephesians uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 2. Again, out of the message Bible. I love this. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. Oh, man. Somebody ought to put that on your refrigerator, or you need to bat, put that in the back door of your toilet, wherever you spend most time. Just put it in there. I mean, this is, this is incredible. And Mark, that you do this with what? With humility, but not only with humility, with discipline. Meaning, I'm not in fits and start, but steadily. That means this is consistent behavior for you. This is not a once in a, in a while where, you know, you do something and your wife doesn't expect it, or, you know, uh, you do something for your parents as a teenager and they almost fall over because you never like that. This is a consistent thing. Steadily, listen this pouring yourselves out for each other how how do we do that in acts of love did you notice that acts of love not words of love acts of love that means consideration is doing something for somebody else there's a practical thing alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences just being practical and helping each other out without, without somebody having to ask you all the time. Hey, can I get your help? Hey, can I have your help? That means, uh, you know, uh, that means bringing in the groceries even, men, when it is the fourth quarter. Uh, it means waiting till both of her legs is in the car before you take off. Are you, are you understanding me? I mean, it, it's common consideration, you know, thinking about what would be helpful to my friend. Uh, in, a, in a friendship relationship, what would be helpful to, to, my, to, to the person I'm working with, my coworker? You know, instead of saying, well, you know, this is a dog-eat-dog world, and i got to do my thing, and i got to climb this ladder, and I, you know, that's the way I live, and you know how it is, and if I don't do this, then I'm not going to get, you know, any advancement. Allow God to be in charge of the advancement of your life, and show a little bit of consideration. Consider what other people are going through. Consider where they're at. That's consideration by being helpful. Be the person that people can rely on. Why? Because you are, you are showing who the heart is on the inside of you, and that's the heart of Christ. Here's another way we show consideration, and that is by being sympathetic. Now, I didn't say be pathetic. I said be sympathetic. Uh, what, what must we be sympathetic with? With other people's doubts and fears. The Bible says this in Romans 15, verse 1 and 2. It says this. We who are strong, so if, if you consider yourself to be strong, so you are strong, we who are strong, notice now, must be what? Correct. Considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. Boy, 
Have you noticed how important this is? We must be considerate of those who are sensitive. So, so which means, what does it mean? It means that somebody might not be relating the same way that I am relating to the same thing. Some, some things for other people are, it's more heavy, it's more pressing, it's more dire. And, and so, so I need to, I need to get that. And consideration is, hey, listen, I understand that I might not be sensitive because in the context of this, Paul is talking about some people, you know, they, 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 they'll eat meat. Other people eat uh, potatoes and, you know, and some people, you know, they won't eat meat that's offered to idols and in the context of what was going on there. And, and he said, now be considered. Don't just say, oh, come on, man. You know, God has given us everything to enjoy. So, you know, I can eat my meat and, you know, you don't have to worry about this. He says, but there are some people that are sensitive to them as far as their faith. He says, so be considerate in it. He says, and not only that, we, we mustn't, everything we do must not be about pleasing ourselves. We should help others do what is right. And notice what he's saying. When we do that, we build them up in the Lord. Have you noticed that my fears are always logical and rational, but your fears are stupid? My fears are, oh, it's, you know, uh, it's rational to be afraid of heights. It's, it's rational to be afraid of spiders. It's, it's rational to be afraid of snakes. You know, it's rational. And then, but then when somebody else has a fear concerning someone, well, that's not rational. That's just kind of stupid. You know, wh- wh- why are you afraid of that? And, and, and so, you know, we say, well, that, that's kind of dumb. That, that's kind of illogical. What I'm afraid of or what I have doubts about, that's very reasonable. But what you're afraid of, you shouldn't be afraid of. Now, you know what happens in relation? That causes a lot of problems. You're being inconsiderate of the fears and doubts of others. So what, what are we doing? We are poo-pooing other people's fears. But in reality, when you are, when you are considered, you are sympathetic. You, 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 you engage where people are at. You step into their pain. You step into their difficulty. You, you consider not how you relate to it. You consider how they are relating to it. How are they facing it? How are they seeing it? So by being sympathetic and being empathetic and having a heart for others, that is that, that's the heart of consideration. I'm being considerate. Why? Now, that might not be a valid fear. I, I, I'm not afraid of it, but they are. And if they are, here's what I do. I I don't jump on them. Here's what I do. I help them. I nourish them. I feed them. I pray with them. I stand with them. I talk them through it to get to the other side of it. So we have to learn. Say, I have to learn. Say it again. Say, I have to learn to be considerate. And so how do we do that? By being helpful. And number two, by being sympathetic. And let me give you a third one. By being forgiving. Here's the reality. You're imperfect, and there are all imperfect people around you. There are no perfect people in this room this morning. They did not come to this church. The only people who came to this church are imperfect people. People who have made mistakes and people who made mistakes this morning, some of them fighting on their way to church. Some of them yelling at their kids trying to get them ready because they were running around and didn't get to church. Some of them yelling at the teenager because they came home at 12 o'clock instead of at 10 o'clock last night. So uh, there are some imperfect people in this room this morning. So let's just get that out, okay? Turn to your neighbor. I said, turn to your neighbor and write, tell them and say, I know you are imperfect. Now, if that's your wife, say, honey, I know that doesn't apply to you because you are perfect. We understand that. But, but for the rest of us, you know, we know, we understand this, that we are imperfect people. Now, you say, honey, why are you saying that? Because here's what it means. Imperfect people are going to do imperfect things. They're going to make some messes. 
They're going to make some mistakes. And if they make messes and mistakes, here's what they are going to need. Because here's what I need a lot of. I need to be forgiven. I need to be forgiven for the messes that I make. So consideration is not only being helpful. Consideration is only not being sympathetic. But consideration is also being forgiving. There's no such thing as a perfect relationship because, here's why, sinners marry sinners. We've all blown it. So relationships need a massive, massive dose of forgiveness all the time. In any relationship that you are going to do, you are going to need forgiveness. Look at the verse. The Bible says in Colossians 3.13, you must make allowances. Somebody say allowances. Say it again. Allowances. What must I make allowances for? Make allowances for each other's what? Faults and forgive the person who offends you. Well, hold the phone here, sister. I mean, this is incredible. We have to make allowance. The word allowance means give, give space for it. You got to give space. When you give, when you allow, that means you make room for it. So literally, Paul is encouraging you and I to live our lives in such a way, when we live with other people around us, which we do because we live in the human race, we live in this world, that we have to make allowance. We have to give people space because we know that they are going to make mistakes. They're going to mess up. They're going to blow it. And if they blow it, there's got to be an allowance. There's got to be what we call a margin for error. Margin for error. Margin in itself is so important in all areas of life. You know, just financially, we need margin. We need margin so that when in those lean times that we have created something that, that we have so that we can live in a healthy way no matter what the circumstances. And here Paul is saying, hey, you're going to make allowance. And what must I make allowance for? For each other's faults. For, for each other's faults. It means people are going to make mistakes. People are going to say the wrong thing. People are going to sit in the wrong chair. People are going to park in your parking spot. People are going to sit in your favorite spot at your restaurant. People are going to cut you off on the freeway. They do. It happens in Southern California all the time. People are going to cuss you out. People are going to push in front of the line. People are going to do all kinds of stuff. Why? It's people. And they're going to make mistakes. So what we have to do is we have to make allowance for that. And notice, not only make allowance when people do mess up, listen to what Paul says, and forgive the person who offends you. Now, come on, let's just talk about this. Is it not true that people have done things? People have said something and didn't follow through on it. People have made promises that they didn't keep. I've made promises I haven't keep. So, which means all of us have, all of us have done things. All of us have said things. All of us have committed to things and then didn't follow through. We, we, we all have done some of that. I'm not talking about some high level of it. I'm, I'm just talking about some measure of it. I'm not even talking about big stuff, but, oh, and some of you have faced some really horrible circumstances and situations that happen to you. People have offended you. People said the wrong thing. People post a picture you didn't want them to post. People said unflattery things about you. People made comments that are rude. Hello, somebody. It's the human race. So Paul is saying, hey, within the context of healthy relationships, we must make allowance for the faults of others, but also we must forgive. Notice, the person who offends you, you got to forgive. Now notice, remember why. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You know what I find amazing is that when we mess up, we want to go to God, and we want to say, God, forgive me. And, and yes, 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 how we want. We want that forgiveness to be instantaneous. 
We want that forgiveness to be banned. But here's what we do when we forgive others. We, we, a whole litany of things. Well, you better not do that again. Well, you better, you, you better watch yourself. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. You better not do this again, sucker. You do it to me once, that's fine. But you do it to me twice, that ain't fine. I'm coming down on you. I'm hunting you down. You know, I'm shooting you dead. I'm coming for you. And so we have that mentality that, 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 that Paul says, hey, listen, that's not, as a Christ follower, that's not the way you forgive. As a matter of fact, if we just go back to the New Testament and, and Peter is having a conversation with Jesus and he's thinking he's real spiritual and, and he's talking about this whole issue of forgiveness and, and uh, he says, Lord, you know, if somebody offends you, you know, how must I forgive them? And he says, should I forgive them, you know, three times? You know, should I, you know, he's thinking, because hey, the Pharisees taught twice and then I'm going to add a little bonus. Or he says seven times, should I do it seven times? And Jesus, so he's kind of saying, okay, the Pharisees say if you give three times, he says, I'm going to double that. So I'm going to do six times and then I'm going to add one more so I'm going to accept so Jesus really going to be impressed with my math here I mean so if somebody messes up so I mean three times the Pharisee says three times and then you don't forgive then it's vengeance and then on the on the flip side you know he says so what I'm going to I'm going to do three then I'm going to add three so I'm going to double what the Pharisees forgive and then I'm going to add one one for bonus so Jesus is going to be really impressed with my math of forgiveness so if somebody sins against me, Lord, should I forgive them seven times? And Jesus makes a statement that is profound. And he looks at him and he said to him, Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater, you got to get this. You got to understand this. And he says, listen to what Jesus said. He says, 70 times seven in the same day for the same sin. Now, how many of you know, just doing the math of that 70 times 7, I mean, that, that is a whole lot of sinning against you. And then Jesus adds, for the same sin. So he says, if somebody is a repeat offender in your life and they keep on doing the same thing, he says, you're, as a mature follower of Christ, your response to that is to forgive them and release them, even though you feel that this is a whole lot of forgiving going on. Come on now, somebody. Why is that? Because that's how, that's how we relate in a healthy way. Listen, when you don't know how to forgive, here's the thing is you don't see yourself correctly. I, I, I don't know about you. The, my nature, my personality, I need a lot of forgiveness. And, and so because I need a lot of forgiveness, I give a lot of forgiveness. Because I need a lot of forgiveness. The Bible tells us in James 3 that being considerate is a, is a mark of wisdom. Which means when I'm inconsiderate, uh, what am I? I'm the opposite. I'm unwise. I'm a fool. I'm being stupid, I'm dumb, I'm foolish. Anytime I'm inconsiderate, not just to the people close to me, not just to my wife, but anybody, to somebody at the store, to the clerk at the store, to the, to the, to the kid that's maybe, you know, not, you know, ringing me up too fast at the checkout stand or to wherever it is or to the person that cuts me off or whatever. Every time I, I, I allow that to get to me and I'm not forgiving and I'm, and I'm being rude and I'm being inconsiderate, the Bible says I'm being unwise. Wisdom is shown by being considerate of the needs of others. People, that includes what? Includes forgiveness. Talking about one thing, the heart of healthy relationships, which is what? Consideration. So what does it mean? It means another, another principle. And this is the last one I'll give you because I think that's all you can handle today. And that is by learning, it's a powerful one, by learning to compromise. Now, compromise in my mind has always been a, 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 a negative word, but there's a very positive thing when it comes to compromise in relationships. You are never going to agree on everything. I need to say this again. 
You are never going to agree on everything. When you have two people who agree on everything, one of them is unnecessary. The reason God has given you the people in your life, the reason God gave you the spouse he gave you, is so that you would look at life through a different set of lenses. Sometimes it's because of our background, because sometimes it's just because of our personality and, and how God has wired us. Sometimes it is about our own worldview that, that we have a spouse that brings a different perspective of how we should see life. Pastor Moran and I, we, I mean, there's a lot of things that, that we agree on, but there's also things we disagree on. We don't agree on everything, but we don't allow that disagreement to bring disharmony within our relationship because we, we have learned to compromise. We, have, we, we know on wh- which hill to die and which hill not to die. I know on which hill to attack and which hill not to attack. You, you have to learn that. You have to compromise. And, and, and for, us, we, we, for us, it's not just bringing two different people. We were not two Southern Californians that got together. Uh, I'm from the South. Way south, if you don't know. South of the equator, south. I'm all the way south. I'm from South Africa, south. So you got an African, and then you got a Southern California, Orange County girl. So you've got Southern California girl. You've got South African guy, and you bring those. Those are not, listen, I don't know if you remember years ago, uh, I used to love, uh, in Disneyland, I don't know if they still have it, but in Disneyland, down there by the Bear Jamboree, they used to have this little, the Bear Jamboree had a thing, and uh, it was this, if I remember correctly, uh, there was this octopus that was uh, in love with, with something else. I think it was a bear or something. I can't even remember. And they were singing the song, we live in two different worlds. We live in two different worlds. And this octopus would try to reach out, you know, to this other little animal that's outside and just kind of, that that was us. You know, she being the octopus and me being the bear or or vice versa. I don't know. Uh, But trying to, now, now, when we got married, you didn't just bring a, a male and a female. That in itself is a difference, right? You didn't just bring a male and a female. You, you, you brought, a, you brought a, a woman from the context of Southern California and a guy from the context of South Africa, and you brought them together. So two different contents, two different cultures, two different worlds. And now, so how, 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 do, we, how do we thrive in our relationship? Yes, why we thrive? Because I'm such a humble and holy person. That's why we thrive. No, 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 I'm just kidding. We thrive because we've learned. What have we learned? We've learned to be considerate and which means we compromise on a lot of stuff. You say, Pastor, have you compromised? Yes. This is what I've learned. What do you want, dear? I'll do it. That's called compromise. How much of it do you want, dear? When do you want it? That's called compromise. Are you with me? Now, I'm joking, but somewhere you got to meet in the middle to be flexible, to be willing to, to grow up. Listen, there's some things that, why are we fighting about stuff that has got no eternal value? It has no eternal value, and we argue about something. Well, you know, I don't like that kind of furniture. I want this kind of furniture. I don't like that kind of style. I want this kind of stuff. I mean, are you kidding me? Listen, I, a long time ago, I've, I've, my wife is the boss of our house. And what I mean by that is that whatever style we're going to be is whatever style she likes. The color on the wall, now I've learned a long time ago, she'll ask my opinion, but she doesn't really want it. But so I'll give it, you know, but it's, it's whatever she wants. You know, whatever furniture we're sitting on, it's the furniture she picked. Whatever carpet we have, whatever flooring we have, whatever, it's what she wants, okay? And I'm okay with it. It's, I don't care. Listen, the type of person, I don't care what paint we paint the wall as long as it's painted, that's all. 
I don't care. You, you painted blue, purple, yellow dots with, with uh, purple stripes and, you know, with a little Bonnie uh, dinosaur. And I don't care. I just want to live in a home where, where we get along, where we worship God, where we honor God, where we serve God. The color of it doesn't, ma- it doesn't, that doesn't matter to me. And so there's a lot, there's, that's one thing, but there's a lot of things that, that, that it, why would I want to fight about that, about the thing that we're doing, you know, as far as the color on the wall, when I can just love my wife? It's being considerate. Look at this. Uh, uh, on, on big and small things. Look at Mark 3.25. Are you still with me? A family splintered by feuding will what? Fall apart. If, you ma- if your marriage is going to be successful, you have to learn. If your relationships are going to be successful, you have to learn conflict resolution. And we will talk about this in a few weeks to come. How to negotiate. Most of us didn't learn that in the models that we've watched within our own families and, or the people around us. So we often have to learn it the hard way, not the easy way. Virtually all those conflicts can be traced back to one issue, and here it is. Here's the, here's the issue. It's the issue of selfishness. In fact, the Bible says this in Proverbs 18.1, out of the Good News Translation. People who do not get along with others are only interested in themselves. Wow. Well, I ain't getting along with anybody. Here's why. You know why? Because you don't interested in yourself. That's why. They will disagree with what everyone else knows is right. What everyone else knows is right. They will disagree. They just want to disagree for the fact of disagreeing. When you go to the New Testament, we discover that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5, out of the Living Bible, the love chapter, he basically says the mark of real love is what? Compromise. Verse 5 says, love does not demand its own way. What does love not demand? Its own way. Well, I want my way. Well, my way or the highway, that's the way it's going to be. Well, you know what? That, that's, that's not a Christ-like attitude. Love does not demand its own way. Time and time again, in every relationship, you have to yield your rights to having it your own way. Relationships are not Burger King. You can't check and say, well, I'm, I'm all, you know, this is the kind of wife I order, and she better not change. This is the kind of husband I'm ordering. And when I get married, I want this, 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 this. That doesn't happen. Human beings don't stay the same. you got to understand that. So you're going to have to learn to compromise. You're gonna, you, listen, you're going to have to learn to compromise in raising kids. You're going to have to learn to compromise where you spend your holidays. How much time you spend with the outlaws, I mean the in-laws. You know, uh, uh, how the house is decorated. You're going to learn to compromise in a lot of different issues, especially in marriage. Even, even the issue of making love in marriage. Some of you are wired like a microwave. You just pop it in and there you go. Whoa. It's kind of like a change. And you're ready to go. Come on, guys. You know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of different issues. And some of you are wired like a crock pot. And it takes you days to get warm. I mean, and you have to learn. You're kind of like that old diesel. I mean, you take forever to warm up. And that's okay. It's the way you wired. You know, when it comes to Miranda and I, we are wired different. You know, when it comes to this whole thing about love and, and love making, we had a compromise. I'm a morning person. So early in the morning, hey, I'm, I'm wide awake. You know, like that song, I'm wide awake. I'm wide awake and ready. And I want to have an AT&T moment. I want to reach out and touch her body. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what I want. But I've learned in 23 years of marriage, if I reach over and try to touch my wife, I'm a dead man. It it ain't going to happen. She's a late night person. The later, the greater. That, That She likes it. So here's what we discover that works for us. 
to compromise is four in the morning is perfect time. I just think it's really early and she thinks it's really late. And why? It's all learning about compromise. At the end of the day, it's about learning to be unselfish and maturing. Remember the verse that we read last week. What did it say? It says in one word, grow up. You see, we want people to grow old, but they never grow up. And so if your relationships are going to thrive, last week we talked about that communication is the lifeblood of all healthy relationships. And this week we talk about consideration. Consideration is the heart of healthy relationships. You got to be considerate. And what does it mean? It means you got to be helpful. It means you got to be sympathetic. It means you got to be forgiving. It means you got to compromise. And let me close with this verse out of Romans 15, 5. And then uh, John is going to come and pray with you. Listen to this, Romans 15, 5. May our dependable, steady, and warmly personal God develop maturity in you so that you get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us all. Here's the most amazing thing. Jesus gets along with everybody. And not as he only get along with everybody, he in return expects everybody to get along. On what basis? On basis that we belong to him. How in the world can two people that love God, serve God, honor God, not get along? It is not possible. Because if I love Jesus the way I'm supposed to love Jesus, if I serve Jesus the way I'm supposed to serve Jesus, then he teaches me how to get along even with difficult people. He teaches me how to get along because he said it. Because Jesus gets along with me because it takes a mature outlook. Now listen to this. I love the way the Message Bible puts it. Then we'll be a choir. Not our voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our Master Jesus. God wants our relationships to be so thriving, to be so holy, to be so good, to be so Christ-honoring that it is like a choir. It is like a song. It's like a melody that is being sung out to the glory of God and the benefit of others because people will notice, hey, what is it about you group of people that have the ability to be so helpful, that have the ability to be so considerate, that have the ability to sympathize with others' needs, that have the ability to be considerate, that have the ability to step into the pain of somebody else, that have the ability to stand there in the gap and compromise and have the ability to be so forgiving. The mark of us as Christ followers is that we are giving and forgiving. So as we take these steps in growing our relationship, we must learn That consideration is the heart of healthy relationships. Let's learn to be considerate in Jesus' name.